Hello, and welcome to the Partners for Access Rare Disease and Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host, Max Rex. Today, I'm joined by Aparna Krishnan, Corporate Affairs Lead. Good morning, Aparna. Good morning, Max. And I'm also joined by Joanna Fernandez, consultant here at P4A. Hi, Joanna. Good morning, Max. Every week, we at Partners for Access will bring you the most important news developments in the orphan drug and cell and gene therapy world and what they mean for you. First, we'll look at the US government's efforts to clamp down on drug pricing with one of the proposals looking at passing on a percentage of rebates that insurers gain to patients. Aparna, tell us more. In early May this year, President Donald Trump gave a speech outlining his administration's proposal to reduce drug prices. In that speech, he pledged that his policies will end the abuse of the system by taking on the tangled web of special interests, mainly the drug industry, insurers, etc. One of the suggestions in the proposal was how to bring down costs in the Medicare program. The plan is to give at least one third of the rebate and price concessions to Medicare beneficiaries. So how does that work exactly? Rebates are refunds or discounts paid to insurers and pharmacy benefit managers from drug companies. Now, the insurance industry is saying that these rebates help them to keep premiums down. But White House officials say that these are illegal kickbacks that reward insurers for boosting a drug sale. They want the government to set or intervene in these pricing negotiations between drug companies and insurers. However, this goes against a clause in the Medicare law, which is designed to encourage a free market approach. So what do you think will happen next? Um, Well, the government has an unlikely ally, the drug industry, which supports the concept of passing on some of the rebates to patients. However, the proposal is going to have a rough ride at the Congress, uh, primarily because it goes against the free market approach. Now onto the UK where the health technology agency NICE is not convinced about the cost-effectiveness of Kyovacurin's new rare disease drug. Joanna is here to tell us more. NICE draft guidance has recently been published rejecting the rare disease drug Crisvita for routine NHS commissioning due to insufficient cost-effectiveness. Kyovacurin's Crisvita was approved by the EMA in February of this year for the treatment of X-linked hypophosphatemia, XLH, which affects around 250 children and young people in England. XLH is an inherited genetic disorder that causes low levels of phosphate in the blood, resulting in soft, weak bones and often presenting as bowed short legs, bone pain, delayed walking and hearing loss. So what is the current treatment for this condition? The current treatment involves vitamin D supplements and oral phosphate, to reduce the severity of symptoms and to prevent skeletal abnormalities. Chris Vita is a human monoclonal antibody and the first treatment to target the underlying causes of XLH. An injection would be given every two weeks, starting when the child is one and lasting until the skeleton stops growing. The treatment aims to increase reabsorption of phosphate from the kidney and through vitamin D production, improve intestinal absorption of calcium and phosphate. The new drug could potentially prevent irreversible bone damage and has been shown to increase efficacy compared to the current standard of care. What does NICE have to say about it? Why is it rejecting it? NICE, in its draft guidance, claims that these long-term benefits are far from certain and not enough evidence was provided for children over the age of 13. 
The cost effectiveness estimates provided were also much higher than would be normally considered value for money for highly specialized technologies. NICE is therefore set to reject this drug in its final guidance, which will be published in October 2018, following a consultation period. Thanks, Joanna. And now to our final segment, a quick roundup of the cell and gene therapy stories from the last week. The FDA has placed a clinical hold on Xiopharm Oncology's Phase 1 CAR-T trial. The FDA has asked Xiopharm to provide more information related to the chemistry, manufacturing, and control of the novel CAR-T technology before it can give the go-ahead for the trial. The CAR-T technology being developed by Xiopharm involves engineering the T-cells at the point of care. This is different from the first-generation CAR-Ts that are currently available on the market, including Gilead's Yescarta and Novartis's Kimraya. This technology has the potential to reduce the cost of shipping a patient's cells from the hospital to production plants and back before treatment, potentially driving down the cost of this very expensive therapy. As with all early phase programs of novel technologies, there are significant doubts about whether the approach will yield a safe and efficacious therapy. The FDA clearly share these doubts. The question remains whether Xiopharm will be able to convince their doubters that their treatment is both safe and effective. In other FDA news, the agency has lifted its clinical hold on Solid Biosciences' Phase 1-2 trial of its Duchenne muscular dystrophy gene therapy, SGT-001. The clinical hold was imposed by the FDA after the hospitalization of the first patient dosed with the gene therapy. According to the company, the patient was hospitalized due to laboratory findings that included a decrease in platelet count followed by a reduction in the red blood cell count and evidence of complement activation. Although the FDA has been convinced of the safety of this therapy, the initial issues with the dosing of patients in this study led to the resignation of Dr. James Wilson, a member of SOLID's scientific advisory board. Days after he resigned, Dr. Wilson and colleagues published a paper in the journal Human Gene Therapy raising concerns about the safety of high-dose treatment with an adeno-associated virus, or AAV, vector gene therapy. The study gave details of severe and life-threatening toxicity experienced by monkeys and piglets when they were treated with high doses of AAV gene therapy. Despite these concerns, many other clinical trials of AAV vector gene therapies are going ahead as planned. Given that the FDA has lifted the clinical hold on solids candidate, it is clear that the FDA is not too worried to limit research activity in this area. Also in gene therapy news, researchers from King's College London have developed a novel gene therapy to repair the damage caused by spinal injury in rats. The treatment leads to production of the enzyme chondroitinase, which breaks down scar tissue, allowing the spinal cord to heal. The treated rats regain some motor function within three weeks of treatment, and after longer treatment, they were able to relearn some skilled hand movements. The therapy also contains an on-off switch, which could help alleviate potential safety issues associated with such treatments, including gene overexpression. This treatment, if successful in clinical trials, could be a game-changing breakthrough that could help spinal cord injury patients regain key motor function. And that's it for this week. For more news and analysis, go to our website, www partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to Rare Disease and Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup from iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and please rate us. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.